It had been 400 years. And some of us had begun to believe that God had forgotten about us. But one night, he came. And not as a king, not as a warrior, our savior, our messiah, he came in the most unexpected way, as a child. everybody and uh, welcome to church. We're just excited you're here today as we are kicking off our Christmas series today. And I don't know about you, but this is my favorite time of the year. Um, I love Christmas. I love uh, that it's colder, you know, and that, I mean, it's freezing in here today as well. And so I, lo- I love that it's just colder outside. I love, uh, I love being able to see snow at a distance right? Like I, I grew up um, in the Northeast where we had to shovel all the time. And so I love the opportunity to see snow, to go visit snow and then come back. Like I, I love that. Um, I, I don't love the, the music at Christmas, but I love everything else about the Christmas holidays. So, um, so I mean, there's like two kinds of people. There's people who love Christmas carols and they listen to them year round, uh, like my mom did growing up, which is what scarred me for life. And then there's people who uh, tolerate those people at Christmas time. But, but, but there's something special about this time of year. There's something special about the, the parties and the gift exchange and the energy and the shopping. There's something, you know, that's just special about this time of year uh, that we love, right? We, we love to just, you know, decorate our house or decorate our tree, and we love to eat too much food that's not good for us, and, and you know, we love to exchange gifts, and, and there's just something special about this time of year. And, and, and when you think about it, what's interesting, around this time of year, do you know one of the most searched things on the internet about Christmas is a Christmas miracle, it's in all the Christmas specials. You'll get Christmas cards, and more than likely, half of them will have something to do with a miracle. Uh, you turn on the Hallmark Channel and the Lifetime Channel and whatever other channels that have just endless Christmas movies and specials, and they're all about miracles. There's all, there's all this miracle in it. And, and there's something in us that, that longs for that, that wishes for that, that believes in that, and then there's a part of us that's really cynical about the idea of a Christmas miracle. There's, there's a part of us that, that looks at all those commercials, you know, where they, you know, with the, the music in the background, every kiss begins with K. <laughs> and some of us watch that and we're like, well, for her, right? Or, or this is my favorite one, you know, when, the, when they bring out the, the husband or wife brings out the spouse and covers her eyes and, and says, surprise, and there's a Lexus with a bow on it. It's like, I got us a car payment for Christmas, Right? And, and so there's something about us that just goes, yeah, but not for me. They get the miracle, but I don't. Right? We watch the Christmas specials. We, we see the Christmas cards and we see Instagram with everybody posting pictures of their food and, and their parties on Thanksgiving and Christmas. And we think, I wish my family looked like that. But right now, my family looks a little bit more like an SNL sketch. <laughs> and we're just kind of cynical about Christmas. And we're cynical about the miracles. And we're skeptical about it. And some of us, it started as a child because we asked for something and we didn't get it. We were the one kid that didn't get the new, you know, Sega Genesis. 
right? Do you remember that? Like, we didn't get the Atari. We were just stuck with Pong. And, you know, so, like, there's, for some of us, that started really young. Now, for all you students and kids, Pong is what began all the great video games. And so, you know, but there's something in us that goes, I wish that there could be a miracle at Christmas time. I wish I could have a miracle. What if a miracle was possible for me? And we go into the Christmas season, and all of us have a miracle in mind that we're hoping for. All of us have something that we're wishing for. And this is the paradox of Christmas, right? This is the thing about Christmas, is that Christmas and this whole season is a reminder of all the things that we have, all the blessings that we have, even if they're really small. But then it's also the reminder of all the things we don't have. Christmas is this time where we're reminded of the relationships we have, but then we're also reminded of the broken relationships that we've experienced. Christmas is the reminder of the health that we have, but then it's also the reminder of maybe the health that we lost. See, Christmas is this season of really paradoxes, and this is why we're skeptical of miracles. And this is why that when we're looking at the Christmas story, we're calling this series Unexpected. Because the Christmas story found in the Gospel of Matthew and Luke is a story of unexpected things. It's a story of unexpected people. And here's what's important to understand is that when you get to the Gospels, when you get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what we often forget is that before that moment, before Jesus was born, God had been silent for 400 years. Nothing. See, for thousands of years, God had sent prophets, he had sent angels, he had sent kings, he had sent all kinds of signs and miracles to the people of God so that they would be able to follow him and know who he was. And then, nothing. Nothing. No prophets. No priests speaking for God anymore. No kings coming, no angels, nothing. No miracles, nothing. Just silence. See, and this is why the story of Christmas is so relatable to us. It's because for some of us right now, we are experiencing the silence of God in our life. And I wonder if in that moment, if those Jewish people, if in those families, there was any skepticism about prayer, right? I wonder if anybody ever thought, well, why should we even pray? Why why should we even go to the temple anymore? Because God's just silent, I wonder if there was any teenagers, you know, saying to their parents, Dad, why why do you even still do that? God hasn't done anything for 400 years. You've prayed and prayed and nothing's happened. And that's where the Christmas story begins. And those are the people that God comes to. And what's interesting, what we're going to see over these four weeks is we're going to meet four different people who were not expecting God. Some were looking for God, some were not even looking for God. And yet God showed up to the most unlikely people in the most unexpected ways. So I want to ask you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. And and we're going to walk through one person each week in this series. And today we're going to look at the guy named Zechariah. Zechariah is the first person that God comes to in the Christmas story. Now, here's what's important when we think about the silence of God. Many times when we think about the silence of God, we equate that to the absence of God. Many times in our lives, we think if God is silent, then God must be absent. But the reality is, is what we're going to see in the Christmas story is that just because God is silent does not mean that God is absent. Okay? The silence of God does not equal the absence of God. This is incredibly important because many times when God is silent, we think that God isn't doing anything, but what we see in the Christmas story 
is that in God's silence, he is active. He is moving. He is doing something. He's not just sitting there. Now, here's the other thing about Christmas that I think many of us run into as we're going to see in Zechariah's story, is with this feeling of God's silence and with this longing for a miracle that doesn't seem to come, many of us begin to have this feeling of being forgotten. Many of us in our own lives feel forgotten. We feel like God forgot us. We feel like maybe a relative forgot us. Maybe, maybe you've experienced relationships where you just felt forgotten. Maybe right now, if you're a student, you feel like you're on the outside of all the groups and you're just kind of looking in instead of being on the inside with everybody. And it's easy for us in our lives to feel forgotten. It's easy for us in our faith to feel forgotten. And the reason I say all that, because this is incredibly important, the people of God, as we enter into the, the world of the Gospel of Luke, the people of God have felt forgotten. That's where they were. They felt like God had forgotten them. And so as the angel comes, as God comes to the people of God in Luke chapter 1, we see that God has not forgotten them. We meet Zechariah, look at verse 5, he's a priest, we're told. And he has a wife named Elizabeth. In verse 6, Luke tells us, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. And so we're told that Zechariah is a priest and that he goes to the temple and he's interceding on the behalf of the people. Now the priest would go into the temple to, to pray to God, to light candles, to light incense for the people of God. He's just going about his business. But Luke tells us as well that they were childless. Now this is an important detail because in this culture, in the first century, if you were childless, the people around you wondered what you did to cause that curse. They wondered what sin you had committed or, or what sin your family had committed. And, and this would bring enormous amounts of shame. Not only in this relationship, as this couple had to, had to just wrestle through the pain and the anguish of not having a child, but then also the shame around their extended family, in their community. This also meant that they didn't have any children to be able to pass things on, their inheritance. And so their family would actually end with them. And so we're told, though, that they were righteous, that they were blameless, that they observed all the Lord's commands. And so Luke is telling us that their childlessness was not because of a sin. This is an incredibly important detail, and he goes on. Look at verse 11. As he's going about his business, then, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And so we're told then that as he's standing there, he's going about his business, and an angel appears. Now here's what's interesting. When we think about angels, we think of, you know, just these kind of like cute, small, cartoonish, cuddly, you know, beings that are floating in clouds. They have diapers on and a toga and harps, and like that's what we think about with angels. But every time an angel appears in scripture, the first thing the angel says is don't be afraid because what we miss is that an angel, we're told in scripture, is the warrior of light. Now, I want you to imagine, here, here's one of the things that we think many times. We think, you know, I would do exactly what the angel told me if an angel showed up to me. Like if God walked into my house, I would do, I would do it. I don't care how crazy it would be. Like we're so hard on the people in scripture, aren't we? We think, man, Zechariah, like, how could, you not, how could you not do what the angel said? Like, an angel showed up to you. 
And so we're told that an angel comes. And the angel says to him, look at this. Your prayer has been answered. Your prayer has been heard. What prayer? See, one idea is that Zechariah's prayer to have a child. I'm sure that's a prayer that he prayed. If you long for something, you pray for something. But also as the priest, one of the things that the priest would do, even after 400 years of silence, is they would continue to pray for the Messiah. They would continue to pray that God would come like he promised. There are hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament about the coming Messiah. And the priest would go in and they would pray on behalf of the people for God to not forget his promise. And the angel says, your prayer has been heard. Well, which one? Like, is it the prayer for a child? Is it the prayer for the Messiah? And and honestly, I think it might be both. But I also wonder for Zechariah, did he continue to pray for a child? I mean, at this point, he's old. Like, when, when would he give up on that prayer? When would he stop asking for that? I mean, think about your life. Is there a prayer that you've given up on? Is there a thing that you just stopped asking for? You just thought, you know what, it's just not going to happen. You know, sometimes we give up on prayers and sometimes we, we stop asking for things because we want to protect ourselves from being hurt when it doesn't come true. And the angel says, your prayer has been heard. Your prayer has been heard. And look at what Zechariah says in verse 18. He says, how can I be sure of this? Okay, so let's stop here. There's an angel standing here. How can, I, how can I be so sure? I mean, I realize you're here and all, but like, can I have another sign? Like, I, you know, how, how can I be so sure? And he says, I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years, which let me stop here. Husbands, you can call yourself old. Don't ever say your wife is well along in years, <laughs> okay? Just don't to, sell, don't to you guys, okay? But he's going, you know, this just, this just doesn't seem practical. Like, how's this supposed to happen? Like, we've prayed, we've prayed, I, I'm, I'm really old. Like, we're so hard on people in the Bible. See, we do the same, though. Like, we'll, we'll read through Scripture, we'll read the promises of God, and, and we'll go, you know, I know the Bible says that I'm forgiven, but I don't feel forgiven, I have a hard time forgiving myself for that. Like, I know the Bible says I'm supposed to love my enemies and pray for those who, who persecute me and hurt me, but that's, that's for other people. Like, I know the Bible says that God, God says he'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me, but, but I feel forgotten. See, we do the same thing. We, we look at the promises of God and we look at the things in the Bible and we go, is that practical? Like, could God really do that? Like there's an angel standing there and, and Zechariah's going, mm, we'll see. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll see. You know what's interesting? Is that in scripture, names are incredibly important. Names are incredibly important. The names of people tell us something about their character. They tell us something about God's character. They tell us something about their story. And Zechariah's name means the Lord has remembered. Here's what's interesting. After 400 years of silence, the first person that God comes to 
is a man whose name means the Lord has remembered. The Lord has remembered. See, and I wonder if growing up, I wonder if growing up, Zechariah heard his name and thought, the Lord doesn't remember. The Lord's forgotten us. But yet Zechariah kept praying. Zechariah kept asking. See, if you're taking notes, here's what I want you to write down. The message of Christmas tells us that God remembers and answers. God remembers and answers. See, and for some of us, some of us came here today because we just need to be reminded of those first two words. Some of us need to be reminded today that God remembers you. Like some of you today need to be told, God has not forgotten you. God remembers. And God answers. See, that's what Christmas tells us. I I was thinking back. Christmas seems to be kind of one of those reflecting times of years. I don't know if that happens for you. But when we were decorating our tree and we're going through ornaments and um, Katie, my wife, every year makes these photo books that kind of chronicles our year as a family. And I was thinking back to, to 2006. Now, 2006 was like the worst Christmas I can ever remember. We were living in Tampa, um, which is just a terrible place to live. And so we're in Tampa, Florida, and it's just humid, and it, I, it was like 92 degrees on Christmas Eve. It was terrible. And it, we had moved there to help plant a church. And it, and it just imploded. It did not go well at all. I was really young in my leadership. I was really immature. And, um, and, and we had one child at this point, Ava. She was almost two. And soon after Christmas, Katie was going to come to me and tell me, we're going to have another kid, which at first you think should be really, really exciting. But in this moment, as this church plant was falling apart, we had no family in Tampa. We didn't really like Florida. Um, and, and on top of that, Uh, Katie was working at Starbucks, I was working at a sports wings bar, and we were not making ends meet. So we were just going into debt, living in a place that we hated. And when she told me that we were going to have another kid, I thought, how are we going to afford another kid? We're just going into debt with this. And and so I remember taking a bike ride, and I went out to some just endless amount of water, because there's just water and sand and crocodiles everywhere in Tampa. And so, (laughs) so I'm just standing on the edge of this water. And I remember just standing there thinking, what are we even doing in Florida? Like, God, why did you bring us here? And what am I supposed to be doing? I, I, I was 26 years old, and I thought, literally, my ministry career is over because this just is not working at all. And I remember standing there saying, God, why have you forgotten me? Like, I remember it so clearly. And I just stood there. And I remember just getting this sense from God of, I have not forgotten you. In fact, I took you to Florida. Like, that was not a mistake. And soon after that, the doors opened for us to move here. And as I sat there and I thought as we were just reminiscing about Christmas, and I thought there's so many times in our lives where we feel forgotten. And that's what I love about the Christmas story is that when God comes to earth, when Jesus came to earth, he didn't go into the palace and the rich people. He didn't go to the, you know, top percent. 
He went to an old priest. <laughs> to a man whose name is the Lord remembers. See, because God remembers and answers. See, and right now, some of you are wondering if God remembers you. Some of you are wondering as you walk through health issues and cancer, and you wonder, does God remember me? Some of you, as you walk through relationships disintegrating around you and divorce, and you wonder, does God remember and answer me? When you look at your job and you think, this is not at all the job that I want, this is not at all the career that I thought I was going to have, and you think, God, do you remember me at all? When you think back to this past weekend, some of us, some of us had a great Thanksgiving, and others of us, we really would love to forget it. You think, God, did you remember me on that day? And the Christmas story tells us that God remembers and answers. Now, here's the thing, though. The reason that we doubt, just like Zechariah, is that God remembering and God answering almost never happens on our timetable and in the way that we expected. Look at what Zechariah says. Well, I'm an old man. Like, wh where were you all those years ago? Which would be more amazing? Zechariah and Elizabeth having a child in their 20s or Zechariah and Elizabeth being well in years, which is more incredible. And so Zechariah says, you know, I, I don't know how this is supposed to happen. And look at verse 20. The, answer, the angel responds, and now, he says to Zechariah, you will be silent and not able to speak until the day that your son is born, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Now, this, this at first seems like a punishment. This at first seems like the angel's going, well, you know, if you're not going to believe me, like, then you're just not going to get to speak. But I also think that this is a blessing that was given to Zechariah. Because every time he went to open his mouth, he was reminded, the Lord did not forget me. Every time that he went to say something, he was like, the Lord remembers. Man, I really should have like paid attention to my name. <laughs> Man. Every time somebody said something to him and he went to open his mouth, they're reminded the Lord has remembered. The Lord has not forgotten. Look at verse 23. He goes home. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. I wonder, I always wonder the things that happen in between verses in the Bible. Like what was their first interaction like when he came in and she's like, hey, so how did everything go? And he's like, And she's like, I, I don't know, is it charades? Like, I, what, are we miming? Like, I, you know, I, I wonder how long it took him to, to let her know. How long did it take him to say, this is my fault. Like an angel came, said we're going to have a kid. I didn't believe him, pushed back, said that I was old, said you were well in years, which isn't old. It's a little different. It sounds better. Like, I wonder how long it took him to like get, get that out and, and, and to take responsibility. And we don't know. But he goes home, and they have a miracle. And here's what's amazing is that after his son is born and Zachariah's voice returns, his only response is to sing. His only response is to worship the God who remembers and answers. Now, here's the amazing thing. If you're a parent, you, you know this moment. The moment that you hold your first child. I remember when, when Ava was born and, and I held her and I thought, 
I have no idea what to do. And at the same time, she reached up and she grabbed my pinky and I thought, I will literally give you anything. And I remember I looked at Katie and I said, when she gets married one day, you're going to have, you're gonna have to handle it all because I will, will end up on one of those shows with a wedding. Like I will give her everything. And then I remember when, when Nehemiah came into our family and we got a phone call at 10 a.m. and our social worker said, you need to come to the hospital. There, there's a child for you. And we went in and at 4 p.m. we're sitting there with his birth parents. He's two days old. And, and Nehemiah was five pounds when he was born. He's so small. And I'm, I'm sitting there holding him and I'm thinking, I, I don't know what to do. And I had this like sense of joy and excitement about, about the completion of our adoption. And then I, I also had this just sense of sadness as I looked at Nehemiah's birth parents. And I looked at him and I thought, I, I don't know who you're going to be like. I don't know what your story is going to be like. And then I remember when we went to Ethiopia to meet Judah and he was four years old. And, and now Judah's like up to here. And, but he was like this tall when we went to Ethiopia. And he couldn't speak any English. He had these big white eyes. I remember we got, we got down on his level and we're like, hey, buddy, like he can't speak any English at all. And we're like, it's going to be okay. And he's just like looking up at these two crazy white people like going, what? <laughs> what? I, I, and he's like looking at the people in the transition home like who? And, and we're like, we brought goldfish and balloons and bubbles and you're going to love it. <laughs> but also just like there's so much that goes into this moment. And it's not just at the birth of a child. There's so much that goes into the moment of any prayer being answered that you have longed for. There's so much that goes into that moment when that relationship is finally reconciled and you hug and, and, you, and just all that emotion comes out. There's so much that goes into the moment of when you're finally out of debt, you're finally free from that addiction, you finally get the job you long for. There's so much that goes into that. And you say, God, you have remembered. You have answered. And so Zechariah just sings. And, and look at verse 78. This is so important what he sings. I don't want you to miss this. He says, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine, on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And so he says, because this sun is born, because John has come, just like the angel said, this is the new beginning, the new dawn. What used to be is no longer there. See, and underneath all of our hopes and dreams at Christmas time is this dream for a new beginning. A new dawn. This is, why, this is why people make New Year's resolutions. Why? Because all of December, we're hoping for something new. We're hoping for something better. And Zechariah sings, he says, the new has come. But not only that, underneath all of our longings is this longing for peace. And he says, because the new has come, because God remembers and answers, we will walk into the path of peace. We'll walk into the path of peace. See, and you and I are so much like Zechariah. See, and, and, and Christmas is, is not about sentimental feelings. I mean, those are nice. Those are great. Christmas cards, those are really great. Christmas cookies and gifts and parties and all that. But sentimental feelings will not get us through the valley of silence. Sentimental feelings will not get us through the heartache of feeling forgotten. Only the reminder that God remembers and answers. And so because of that, here's my question for you. What prayer are you asking God for this Christmas? What prayer? 
Maybe it's a prayer that you've never prayed before. It might be a prayer that you've given up on. It might be a prayer that you've just said, you know what, it's just not going to happen for me. This just, this isn't my thing. This isn't my year. It might be around a health issue. It might be a financial issue. It might be a career issue. It might be, it might be around a relationship. It might be around an addiction. But here's what I want to ask you to do if you feel brave enough. On the back of your connection card, there's a spot for you to put in your prayer request. Every week when we get these, our team here prays over these. And we would love to know what you're praying for this Christmas. We'd love to pray along with you. We'd love to ask God, the God who remembers and answers. So we're going to take a minute. I'm going to give you time. Maybe some of you knew right away what it was, but maybe some of you need to just take a minute and just say, God, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to enter into this again. We're going, to, we're going to do this again. And then we're going to sing a song together that reminds us that God has not forgotten us. Not even for a minute. And these are the words. Not for a minute was I forsake, forsaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Because all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? And that's what we ask when we pray. So let's pray together and then we'll respond and sing. Father, I thank you that you have not forgotten us. And I thank you that you remind us that you haven't forgotten us because the first person that you came to 400 years ago was a man whose name means the Lord remembers. You could have gone to anybody. You could have gone to anybody whose name meant any number of things, but you chose Zachariah. You chose an old priest. And you said your prayer has been heard. And so God, today, as we bring our prayers to you, Many of us have stopped praying these prayers because it hurts, because, because we long for things, and we wonder if you'll hear. And so, God, I just pray that you would remind us through the power of your Holy Spirit that you remember and you answer. In your name, amen. Amen.